52 yards should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. <laughs> Yo, yo, what up, my golf degenerate? Good friends, this is the Preferred Lines Podcast, a golf gambling podcast brought to you each and every week where we will cover this week's incoming PGA Tour event. Thank you for stopping by. We've got a big show on tap for tonight. Uh, if you are here joining me live streaming on Twitter, thanks. Uh, hop on over to the YouTube page. Just hop in there. Maybe drop a comment in the chat. Let me know you're here. If you have any questions, feel free to drop those as well. I will do my best uh, to acknowledge you throughout the show. A thumbs up. Always looking right in the camera in this one. A thumbs up goes a long way. Would very much appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, we are proudly Brought to you as a member of the Fantasy Points Media Group. Uh, 10% off a promo code over to Fantasy Points. They do a ton of great NFL content. Um, they've got lineup builders, tools, optimizers. Lines 22 is the promo code to get you 10% off your sub. Here's what we got on tap for the Shriners. We're going to do dimple things. I'm going to bring my guest here on in just a second. Uh, I will give a quick, brief um, Cliff Notes version of a course preview and some key stats. Uh, me and my guests will go through the entire odds boards for this week. Shriners, I'll give you my best bet of the week. We'll see if that works out. Final thoughts. Without further ado, it brings me great pleasure, excuse me, to uh, bring on a guest for his first time here on Preferred Lines. We've We've corresponded via Twitter for for many, many uh, years now. Uh, PGA Tour writer over at the Action Network and Golf Bet. Does some stuff for Fantasy Labs as well. Welcome to Preferred Lines at CS underscore Murph. Chris Murphy, what up, bud? What's up, Joe? Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely, man. Um, how is everything? It's good, man. It's good. I got to tell you, I... almost backed out on you when I found out I was uh, tailing Scott Holdridge on this thing. I, that... That dude's a tough act to follow. You know, I don't have the charisma and wit that he carries, so uh, I'll do my best. But that guy is uh, is top notch. He's a top notch guy through and through. Um, was absolutely electric on the show. Although I have no, um, I don't think you'll have any problem following it up. Here's what I kind of like. Here's why I like your Twitter account, Chris. I feel like you are one of us, like a golf Twitter degen, but you have a very like professional aspect of it too like you you kind of remind me of like an actual journalist or a writer like what's your sort of background and how did you get into covering uh golf dfs and gambling content yeah i, I appreciate that um you know really i took uh the the covid year took an opportunity to to reach out and and go uh with with fantasy labs to start things out so i've been doing it a little over two years now and that kind of grew into the uh, buys and fades that I do between between rounds. Um, so that's kind of my bread and butter and my focus. Um, I may not be as serious as as you think. Uh, the whole verification thing was all really a joke and a bet with some friends, um, you know, things like that. So uh, I try not to take myself too seriously, but uh, I'm, I'm glad I come off as a, as a professional. That's that's a good thing. No, you don't. The reason I like it is because you joke around a little bit and you don't take yourself too seriously, which I think uh, we can all kind of get into that trap sometimes. But 
you bring us like quality information. You're one of the first person I see to throw out the odds boards. Um, you have a ton of good content circulating specifically around DraftKings and DFS and course setups. When does your week really start on a new event? Are you starting Sunday night, the weekend before, or is it pretty much all systems go Monday morning for you? Yeah, it's it's pretty much Sunday. So I, I take Sunday to kind of dig into the next week. Uh, I put out a, you know, without any odds, just kind of a, um, a trends type of article, three, three or four guys that I'm looking at as odds drop. Um, and then really, I, I take Monday to bet. Um, I don't really build a single DFS lineup until Wednesday night when I've got ownership and kind of all the information. So that's that's really the the gist of my week is uh, Sunday and Monday to kind of prep. And then, then Wednesday, I, I focus on the DFS side of things. Very cool. Here's how we're going to start, Chris. Uh, I'm sort of doing a new segment, trying to switch things up a little bit this fall. Uh, working title, dimple things. Here's kind of what we do and how we do it. Uh, the first part of this is going to be a memory bank statement. So um, one thing, I'm a big notes guy. I like to go back and sort of remember things from previous years. The one thing that you would put in those notes from the last week in golf, it can be about the event. It can be about golf Twitter. It can really be about anything. I'll kind of start to give you an idea of kind of what I'm thinking. Last week, one of the more stringent uh, tests that we've seen in terms of, uh, of years past at the Sanderson ended up kind of being what I would consider a, a tee to green week, which I was not really expecting. I was expecting it to be a lot of approach in putting. Um, four players inside the top five all finished sixth or better in tee to green. So I think off the tee really made a difference. And a lot of the guys at the top, including Mackenzie Hughes, who you wouldn't imagine, uh, made minimal gains with the putters and did the majority of their gaining tee to green. Interestingly enough, Gary Woodland uh, led the entire field tee to green, missed the cut. He was one of my picks last week. That's how it goes. Another thing, like side note that I'm going to remember last week, classic Chris, classic Emiliano Grio week um, begins on, I think, Friday with the club throw off the tee and complete disgust. It ends up 10 feet from the pin. That was classic Grio, but nothing beats late Sunday afternoon. Data golf at his T2. He had five holes to play. Data golf had him at more than a 20% chance to win the tournament. One hole later, he goes to 0.1% chance of leading the tournament. That's the Grio experience. Um, I believe it was like the second easiest hole on the course. He made a snowman. Classic yeah. Grio stuff. Never want to miss that out. Uh, what's your memory bank thing from last week? Yeah, and I'll just add to that on Grio with the, uh, the he had the club toss and then he had the sarcastic fist fist pump when he uh, hold his <laughs> his his putt for eight. Just fantastic. Um, you know, I think really the reminder for me it is more of a full fall swing type of thing. Um, just that this is the time of year when those guys that just can't seem to break through and have years upon years of, of droughts and victories, this, this is the time of year when they can find a way to get it done. I have a tendency to write those guys off when it's the, the spring and, you know, kind of in the, in the heat of the season. Um, but, you know, just kind of thinking back, you've got a, a Stuart Sink, you've got, uh, you know, Sergio Garcia a couple of years ago. Um, Mackenzie Hughes, you know, this was six years since his last win. Martin Laird did this at, um, at the Shriners a few years ago as well. It's just, this is the time of year when, when those guys, um, you know, just can kind of find a way without, without the added pressure and kind of the, the top notch fields, uh, just to, to not write them off so quickly. Like I, I tend to do in the, in the heat of the season. 
Yeah, FedEx Cup points all the same. You'd like to think that a lot of those guys, you know, the Mackenzie Hughes and Sepp Straka caliber players, um, really understand that as well and want to kind of attack this sort of fall swing because they understand this is their opportunity to not have to go against Rory's and JT's and Xander's every week. And this is their opportunity to really stack some points and build into what uh, incoming is kind of a good season. Uh, part two here. Presented by my boys over at Fantasy Golf Pod. They run the Golf Guys program Wednesday nights. Chad has already released sort of some of his, his DraftKings projections and ownerships and, and pricing release. They do great stuff over there. We, in honor of them, Chris, are doing our Golf Guy of the Week. This can be serious. It can be sarcastic. Whatever you think, who do you got from last week as your Golf Guy of the Week? Who would you like to nominate? All right, my nomination. I, I was actually torn between uh, that that Grio moment and uh, something that that we saw in the start of the week for Harris English. I was one of the fish that chased him and thought that he was, you know, turning things around. Uh, and it was just a reminder uh, as we get some of this PGA Tour live coverage. Some of it can uh, be pretty good and insightful at times. Um, he was one under through two holes. You know, you know, headed towards. You know, maybe he's he's doing something. He sprays his drive on on his third hole, the twelfth, into the rough, splashes it in the water, and he's wandering around trying to find a place to drop and and put it in the rough. Um, and he he dunks his approach shot from there, short of the green, and you could hear him on the broadcast turn to his caddy and go, "That's like a three strike three shot penalty," talking himself into not you know possibly saving bogey or whatever, but making a triple bogey. Just like, you know, that that gif, uh, you know, one of us uh, and me on the golf course where I get in my own head and and talk myself into a much worse hole than it had to be. He did it and he just tanked from there out. Um, so he's he's my golf guy of the week, just relating to to us and me, the 10 handicapper. Dude, you nailed like what I envisioned this to be like, who's who's the most one of us of the week? Also, great moment from Harris English a few holes later. He uh, on on that PGA Tour live coverage, he hit one, hooked one out of bounds. Right, a guy comes out of his backyard with Harris English's ball and tried to throw it to him. I don't know if you caught this, and he gave. I it did back see that. Like, yeah, that's want. great. Uh, <laughs> for me, I'm gonna nominate. You know, my second straight week going opposite the PGA Tour for this. Thomas Peters, I'm going to nominate for my golf guy of the week. Um, really endeared himself to me, Chris, over the weekend by uh, consecutive days having a dispersion in his scores of 18 total strokes. That is me when I play two consecutive days of golf. Here's here's Thomas Peters' week. Minus 7 on Thursday, plus 11 on Friday, and then his third round of minus 8. Um, my dispersion is not those type of numbers. It's more like 79 to 99. But um, he was it was another one of us moment where this guy has a 20 stroke swing on any given day and really sort of endeared himself to the common man golfer and 10 handicap like myself as well. Uh, congrats, Tom Peters. Congrats as well to Harris English, our golf guys of the week. Before we finish it up and sort of wrap up this segment, I have been bestowing. I have the honor of granting the tweet of the week award. I, I created this myself, but if you ever get nominated for this, Chris, and I'm sure you will be, um, you will hold it in high regard for this week. Oh, yeah. A good friend of the program, been on the show a couple of times. So witty, exquisitely like awesome at golf content, but also went outrageously viral with this tweet. Congrats to my guy, 
PGA tout, John Hazelbauer. I thought this tweet was absolutely tremendous. The Bryson, you know, Chris, it, it's been too long since like we got like something to make fun of Bryson about. Um, absolutely. We, we need that in, in golf uh, Twitter to just like make fun of him. And he, this was just so perfect. Golf's Russell Wilson um, absolutely nailed it. You can see there are 820 retweets, the definition of viral. John's earned it. Your reward will be in the mail. Congrats on such a great honor, John. Um, our second annual tweet of the week award winner. Awesome. All right, uh, before we get to the betting board, once again, a reminder to check out Fantasy Golf Pod. My guys over there uh, doing the show tomorrow night. Uh, Going to bring up their banner here, and let's go ahead and kick it. All right, Chris, here's what we got on tap this week. The Shriners, couple of, like, not a bad field, right? No, not at all. I mean, it's... It drops off, but it's, it you know, the, the middle of the pack is is pretty solid and kind of the guys that, that you want to, you know, convince yourself to get excited about in the fall swing. Yeah, we get Patrick Cantlay, seven and a half to one. Uh, Sung J.M. next on the odds board, right around 12 or 14 to one is the best price. It looks like over there at FanDuel, down sub 10 to one over at DraftKings. So uh, a little bit of dispersion there on, on the second favorite on the board. Max Homa, 16 to one is the best number available. Tom Kim, uh, the electric Tom Kim, 22 to one, Aaron Wise, 30 to one, Taylor Montgomery, 35 to one. I'm going to stop and pause right there, Chris. Uh, anyone that you like, you don't like, or, or going to keep your eye on. Yeah. I mean, for me, one of the guys I wrote up was, was Taylor Montgomery and I'm, I'm going to play the, the narrative. He's from Vegas. He went to UNLV. Uh, he's, he's familiar with this area and, and presumably this course, um, but really he has transitioned from, you know, being a graduate on the Corn Ferry Tour to basically doing the exact same thing through two events on the PGA Tour. He's got a solo third and a, and a T9 um, to his record and, and had more than half of his starts on the Corn Ferry Tour last year were, uh, were top 10 finishes. So he is just wow. playing great golf and, and transitioning it to the highest level, um, you know, I, I think the odds and the bookmakers are telling us that they think he's good. You know, we, we don't normally see a guy that just graduated be put it up on this tier this quickly. Um, and they've done it now for, you know, really all three events. He's been, you know, sub 50. Um, and so I, I took the 40 that was available when it opened this morning and he's kind of my guy. But, you know, we're we're all betting and, you know, unless you're taking them. Hoping to beat the the two at the top, especially Cantlay, um, but even Sanjay has has his own fantastic course history. So, um, you know that that's where I'm going is Taylor Montgomery. Absolutely, the only guy I would maybe liken it to coming out maybe Sanjay when he won Corn Ferry Tour Player of the Year and came out like even Morikawa and Wolf, how good they were, were coming out in like the sixty to hundred to one range when they first popped on the tour. So, um, a lot of respect from the odds makers at thirty five to one. Cantlay like. God, I don't bet the top of the board. I do feel like like if there was a moment to this would be it. I have not pulled the trigger there, but so good. Um, T8, second, second, first. Those are his four starts at the Shriners. Also coming off a win in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Also coming off playing fantastic at the President's Cup. Um, I 
think he's the best player by by a good head and shoulders yeah. above um you know the next best guy which would be sung jag plus the course history like when i ran a, a sort of stat model online like a lot of the stuff when i sorted by court like shorter golf courses and players who have the ability to scramble because i do think scrambling may be one of those underrated things here um you know he there's you can miss right but you can't miss bigly like you start to get into the rocks in the desert he's very crafty at getting out of those situation and the opportunities gains that was really good for him as well yeah. um i kind of just elected to not do anything here as of yet um with the understanding that it could potentially be Cantley. like i pulled this trigger on on rory earlier and hit it i believe it was at the canadian open at a really small number so I, I still need a little bit more to to reaffirm me on that stance, but he's the one I'm most interested in. Homa, I thought about, but um, just the course history is awful here. Four consecutive yeah. missed cuts and hasn't really been yeah. close. Is he a different player now? Of course he is, but I'd like to see him coming back to a spot where uh, he had a little bit more success. And of course, he he is welcome to have a little vacation, a couple of days off, off a win at the Fortinet and the awesome performance at the President's Cup that was. Uh, moving down the board a little bit, Alex Noren coming off a T2 in Dunhill. Uh, Brian Harmon's at 45 to 1. Cameron Davis is at 45 to 1. Emiliano Grillo at 45 to 1. A couple of guys who've had a couple of decent performances lately. Um, anything sort of, and I'll even open it up to like the Davis Riley at 50, Denny at 50, Pendrith at 50. Chris, anybody there that's got your interest? Yeah, it's it's Grio. Um, you know, I just and that kind of goes back to to what I said earlier in terms of of this being the time of year when uh, when we sometimes see guys break long droughts. You know, he hasn't won since uh, is it 2015 or 16 uh, that range, um, and he's playing really good golf and he's been doing it for for a while now. It's it's always a matter of the putter, um, and you know, I, I just feel like there's a win coming and it's, it's hard to say exactly when that, that week is going to be that he, he gets hot and finally breaks through. Um, but he's the guy that sticks out to me in this range. Yeah. So the thing about Griot is it always is going to be the putter, but like he may have turned that around. I, it, it could be like, he's at least on a good run, seven consecutive events where he's gained strokes with the putter. If you go back like within that last seven events, which so is say 30 to 40 rounds, He's like a top 10 putter in the field. He's like, we're sitting there right with Denny McCarthy, which is like insane to even think yeah, about is, because if he yeah. can still continue to be a good ball striker and he's suddenly on this good putting run, um, he should be able to pull it off. I'm going to go in this range here, Chris, with my best bet of the week. Um, this guy, I've done it like three or four times with this guy. He's definitely been the number one guy that I put out as the best bet of the week. I love him and he's always at a good price. Uh, I'm going right back to Cameron Davis. I was impressed with what he was able to do at the President's Cup. I always am. And Chris, he just has this very unique skill set, right, where he's a good driver of the ball. He's a little loose, but he is long. He's in the top 10 in terms of distance. Now, I know that that isn't going to be a, a predominantly, like, huge factor at this type of golf course being shorter and with the elevation, but it never hurts. But it's rare that you get someone who's such a good long driver of the ball to also be a really good wedge player. Um, second in the field in approach play from 100 to 150 yards. The only guy that ranks better is Tom Hoagie, which is like Hoagie's wheelhouse, right? Pitching wedge, nine iron. 
Hoagie's awesome there. Hoagie doesn't drive it anywhere close to the way Cameron Davis drives it. So that's a really unique skill set as a player, especially on the PGA Tour, where you can drive it long and you can pitch it well. He does both of those things awesome. The approach numbers are very solid over the last 50 rounds when you kind of zoom out. T to green, top 10 in terms of courses, sub 7,200 yards. I realize this course is a little bit longer than that, but I think playing at like 2,500 feet elevation brings it down quite a bit. Um, course history is pretty good as well. 27th, 52nd, 28th, all made cuts. Nothing crazy out there, but I love Cam Davis. If I could pick a player to really break out this year and kind of have the year, um, you know, like we saw out of some players last year where they really step on the gas and, and fully engage in their PGA Tour potential. I think Cam Davis is that guy I'm looking to be a breakout star over the next 12 months. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I've always been a big Cam Davis fan. And one thing, and I don't have the stats in front of me, um, but I, I feel like one thing that he has reined in a little bit of late, and you mentioned that good recent form, um, he used to be so volatile where he would be, you know, three bogeys, two, you know, then then rip off three or four birdies. And and we would kind of love that for DFS, but never really consider him a contender. Um, and I think he has reined in and, you know, kind of improved on that that bogey avoidance um, to be a little bit more consistent and, and therefore put himself in, in better position to contend for tournaments. And that's been a big step for him. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I kind of embrace some of that volatility with him. Like, I think there are different ways to categorize certain players based on how they play. Right. I think there's really aggressive players who are going to go for wins, but in doing so is also going to lead them to those volatile results It's going to lead to miscuts. It's going to lead to ending up in hazards. It's going to lead to triple bogeys. There are some guys that play a little bit safer who may be great for a format like jock market or a, a DFS sort of um, like cash game or a 50-50 or something like that. But in terms of the outright market, I kind of embrace that volatility of him because him finishing eighth necessarily isn't going to hurt me when I need him to win. I do think that he has one win in the tank this season. If he gets more than that somehow, at four, even at 40 to one, he's not going to play 40 events. So if you can just continue to get a good betting price number on him in a field that isn't the strongest, it's a fall sort of swing event. We may have some um, questionable motivation sort of at the top of the board as well. Could be a good opportunity. There is a 45 to one out there on bet 365. I took the 40, but he's all the way down to 31 to one over on FanDuel. So, you know, 15 point difference. Make sure you kind of shop it around this odds checker grid is great for that. Moving down the board, Thomas Dietrich's been hot. He's 50 to 1. We get Siwoo, Tom Hoagie, Bezaden Hood, a lot of guys in this 60 to 1 range that I really like, Chris. Um Burmeester's here, Poston's here, Hadwin, Mitchell, Mav McNeely, Mito Pereira, uh Ricky Fowler's at 66 to 1. Like do you find anything in this range that's appealing? Yeah, I, I wrote up Dietrich. I think he is, um, you know, really kind of cool. trending. I think he's, I think he's trying to, you know, kind of really prove and establish himself over here. Uh, and I think he has that motivation factor going for him. Um, and you know, it really was just an ugly third round for him. He was, he was thirty six hole leader. He was right there, um, and just you know, kind of tanked it on Saturday. Um, and so we, we kind of see that at times where guys are, are trying to kind of build up to, to where they can be stable enough to break through. And, you know, I, I think he's going to be somebody that I continue to, fit, to tail. Um, but the other name that I'll mention here that I have some, 
I am not a Ricky guy, um, but I'm intrigued. I, I think him blowing up the team is probably the best thing that he could have done in, yes. in terms of just, just start over, give a, a fresh set of voices, eyes, all of it. Um, and he turned it into a result at the, at the Fortinet. And, you know, I, I saw the 50 that dropped initially. And I was like, I don't think I can get there at 50, 66 uh, gets my interest a little bit more. Um, and, and again, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, maybe he puts a couple of results together and and starts to gain some confidence. And, you know, like I said, just a new team around him has me intrigued with his game at the very least. Yeah, new caddy, back with Butch, which you love to see. Yeah. Switched um to like cavity back, like 10 handicap irons as well, like the irons that you or I would play, Chris. But um, look, he's, he's willing to try anything right now. You know what I mean? So it's not about, um, the appearance anymore and like playing these blades and like the, the classic Ricky that we all know and love did gain two and a half strokes on approach over at the Fortinet, which was his first time gaining strokes on approach in six previous events. Also yeah. gained one and a half putting. We like to see that him putt a little bit better. So some positive signs there. I don't know if I'm quite all the way there yet. I may want to see it one or two more times um, to start digging through them on the betting board. I do have a couple guys here. Adam Hadwin. Uh, I got a 60 to one third in strokes gain total at TPC Summerlin over the last six years. Uh, fourth in 2019, a sixth place finish last year. Um, gained 2.8 strokes last week on approach at the Sanderson. And I do think it's important to like, I'm kind of veering away from guys that we haven't seen since the tour championship. Like I want to yep. see either president's cup or at least some reps under the belt. If this is their first event that we've seen since August of them playing, I don't love it. Right. So I, I like the fact that Havlin was solid with his irons last week um, was really bad off the tee, which is what got him out of position. I think there's a little bit more forgiveness here. Like I mentioned, you can miss off the tee. The rough is negligible. Two inch Bermuda rough or yeah, two inch Bermuda rough. Nothing. Um, just don't end up in the desert and he should be OK. Had some good yeah. finishes in the desert uh, golf in the past, too, I believe, at the Amex. The other one at 66 is Mito. This is just like, I feel like a misprice based on his talent play to me. Um, he was right there around this time over the summer with the PGA Championship and other events where, where he was being able to compete with some of the best in the world on the same level as them. Opportunities gained. He is number one in the field over the last 36 rounds. So he's giving himself birdie looks. Any course when the greens and regulation percentage is 75% and and and, the, and it's pretty easy to hit greens and the putting isn't all that difficult. The greens are benign. They're relatively flat. Just give yourself chances. He's giving himself more chances than anyone. Uh, looks inside of 15 feet. Top five in ball striking and birdies are better as well. And like I mentioned, just really what I feel like top end talent wise as a player is probably the best player in this range. If I could look at, you know, who's going to have the best next two or three years. Um, I think that's probably Mito Pereira and he's 66 to one. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I've been a big Mito fan all along um, and and yeah, you're right. He's he's got um, the talent that that certainly um, you know can break through, especially in this type of field. All right, moving down to a little bit of long shot range here. Taylor Moore, Lucas Herbert are seventy to one. Cooch is seventy five to one. Chris Kirk eighty. Mark Hubbard eighty. K H Lee with a good Presidents Cup performance eighty. Um, knee Smith, who I think is popular at eighty. Nick Hardy at eighty. Gary Woodland at ninety. 
Um, anybody in this, like, do you, do you, do you fancy anyone here? Uh, I'm a, I'm always interested in TPC KH Lee. Um, he is, he's, he's always, always a guy that's going to pique my interest. Um, and, and I got that 80 at, uh, bat rivers this morning. So I, I was able Good. to get a little bit of each way and action as well. But yeah, I, I, I thought he played well at the president's cup. He didn't get, um, right. I can't remember if he was three sessions, I think. Um, but he, he was, he was hitting it well. He was, um, you know, really kind of, kind of dialed in, in terms of, of that tournament. He just had some other guys that kind of took the spotlight away a little bit. Um, but I don't think that was indicative of, of his overall play. And I think, um, he's another guy that can, can come in, can go low. Um, you know, we've seen him kind of prove it. He's done it before. We know that he has a winning quality, um, and at eight to one on, in this type of field, that was some value to me. Um, when you've got a guy that's won, you know, each of the past two years. Um, so I, I was, I was intrigued by that and, and took a shot. Yeah, I love that. I actually uh, didn't even look at it earlier. And like, as I was rolling through those names, I you could tell I kind of was like, oh, KH Lee is 80. So uh, some good points there. The guy for me that I took this morning um, was Mark Hubbard. Top five in my stat model, kind of early morning stat model out of nowhere. So I'm like, if he's a good price over 65 to one, I'm probably going to take him. Um, second in both short-term and long-term approach play. So like over the last 24 rounds, say his last six events. And if you sort of span that out in a more broader perspective and like last 50 rounds, just a really good iron player. And he's giving himself plenty of birdie looks. That tells me um, number two in the field from 125 to 150, number one from 150 to 175. So I know some of those proximity bucket ranges as people call them have their flaws to them but anytime you're number one and number two you're really dialed in with those particular set of clubs like 45 to 50 percent of the uh, shot distribution is coming from right within that range this week um, like Hubbard at 80s playing decently well he's got a couple starts under the belt uh, I'm gonna roll those dice yeah he was I thought he might get it done yesterday um, yeah did you do you hear the story about him last week? I missed it. No, he, told, he, uh, he, something happened, um, that he knocked a knife off of the counter and it went through his foot. Like he, he said in a press conference last week in contention, he said, I haven't been able to practice all week. I've, you know, had no expectations coming in and he's the 54 hole leader. You know, he said, I, I could hardly walk. Um, cause I, I've had a hole in my foot from dropping this knife. So, I mean, it just, you know, that, that's golf. the type of storyline that's just golf. Like that is the epitome of golf. Uh, I probably yeah, should have uh, checked that out before I bet him this week. <laughs> but uh, thanks for bringing that to my attention. Hey, he's he's keeping on rolling, so obviously it's fine for the most part. <laughs> uh, triple digits in there in this range. You kind of got Kitayama and Putnam around ninety five, but then we get to triple digits at a hundred. Justin Suh, Kevin Streelman, Nick Taylor, Wyndham Clark, Jason Day. Party Marty Laird is here. Troy Merritt, Adam Svensson, Joel Damon. Um, you know, we finally it had been so long since we had really seen a long shot hit. I love it when those guys at triple digits happen. So we saw Mackenzie Hughes kind of breathe some life into the long shot game. Anyone this week that that you like that you think maybe some value in is worthy of like a five ten dollar chip. Um, I had some interest in Kitayama. Um, I have not actually pulled the trigger yet. And actually I think his odds have shrunk a little bit. Um, he's, he's kind of a West coast guy, but he really has just, he's, he seems to have ramped his game up. He's 
flashed a couple of times. We saw him, you know, over in Scotland. He he did so again um, recently on the DP World Tour. Uh, he may he may just be a first round leader type of bet for me, um, but he's he's got my interest, um, and I'll be interested to see what uh, Joel Dahman does after a, a good week last week. He had really really struggled coming into that week, um, and and turned it around. Showed some good ball striking. Um, he's a guy that can be streaky, and uh, you know I, I'm interested, and in, I think that's one that you know at 125. You can take take a dart that he kind of rolls it into the following week um, because he he can really kind of pour birdies on top of each other when he has it going. Um, so I, I'll be interested to see what what he does there. Yeah, a couple of FOMO bets, I guess, for me. Uh, one is Fenson. I'm kind of on this thing where if he's triple digits, I'm going to take him. I, I started this last year around the Florida swing. I just like. And I've seen it up close and personal. Such a really, really elite iron player. Um, I feel like one of these weeks he's going to putt and gain one or two strokes and he's going to find himself in contention. I also uh, really favor him on shorter golf courses versus something that's 7,500 yards with the elevation. Some people have said this is around 7,000 yards. So a very short par 71. He'll still be able to reach the par fives. All of the par fours, if he can continue to stripe the ball off the tee and with his irons, I think he should give himself a lot of opportunities on bigger greens, right? Um, so nothing that's going to really task him too much, but just get your birdie looks that I feel like his iron play is eventually going to to come through in contention one of these weeks. And then uh, Party Marty Laird, man, the Desert Fox. I just got to roll him out here with the course history narrative. Uh, fourth in terms of strokes gain at TPC Summerlin. He's got a win here at the Shriners. He's always good in the desert on Super Bowl weekend out there in Phoenix. So he's just got his spots, two consecutive missed cuts. I'm willing to kind of overlook because of some of these narratives. And I think you're catching a decent number on him. And I, I like that he's playing, right? It's not like it's the first time that we've seen him. Although he's missing cuts, right. he's on the course. He's at the practice facilities. Coming back to a place where he's been a champion before, I think should give him some good vibes. And I'm hoping more so for these guys, I'll probably get in on the top 10 uh, top 20 markets as well to kind of shave off some of that exposure and just solely outrights. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. As I kind of just, I'm just going to kind of open this thing up, Chris, is there anyone else that you think makes either a good DraftKings play for a cheap price or maybe just an absolute bomb, like down the odds board that you think uh, is, is interesting this week? Uh, I haven't gotten fully into the, to the pricing on the DraftKings side of things. Um, but you know, Davis Thompson's a guy that has, has really gotten caught my eye here recently. Um, he's got a lot of talent, you know, and, and I think, um, he's starting to put it together and he's starting to show some results. He, you know, he kind of was volatile last week in terms of he, he had a chance to really put himself in position for the weekend, um, and then kind of stumbled down the stretch, but, you know, at, at 150. You know, you, you take a shot and you see if the kid comes out with with his game, um, you know, and there, there are a bunch of names that you can really kind of take a look at. Um, Lee Hodges was another one. He's one that flashed at the Amex last year and kind of showed a little bit of that that desert form that we've talked about. Um, so you've you've got some names and this is the time of year where you can sprinkle a little bit here and there and and see how things look as it heads to the weekend um, to give yourself a shot at something. Yeah, it's fun. These things are wide. Like assuming Cantlay or M like isn't up there in contention. These things are wide open. Like we saw last week. It's part of what makes 
I think golf betting so intriguing is fun is having a 10 or a five or a $20 sweat on one of these guys and just getting them, just getting a horse like down the last sort of furlong of the race there. Yeah. Um, Lee Hodges is the guy for me. You mentioned him. He's 150 to one. Um, surprisingly a top 10 in my model, which sort of caught my eye this morning. And I looked a little bit more into it. You mentioned that third place at the Amex where he was leading for a lot of that vent event in the desert um he's third on approach over the last six events eighth in ball striking sort of from a broader perspective and gained uh almost six strokes ball striking last week at the sanderson was very good he had i believe two nightmarish holes with like chipping around the green i'm not sure if it was bunkers or what it was but he pretty much bled everything away with around the green game i think with the oversized greens here with him being one of the top greens and regulation percentage courses he can really leverage that ball striking and hopefully um, if he's going to find himself in contention he's going to have to avoid some of the around the green stuff but um, yeah I think at 150 to one it, it, it's worth a couple bucks yeah I agree and he's um, shown in kind of the the sample that we've got on him that his wedges are our strength um, and, and absolutely talked about this course playing shorter than than the distance so he's going to have wedges in hand and I think uh, I, I think he makes a lot of sense. Well, Chris, I appreciate you uh, putting the kids to bed early tonight like me. I know the 8 p.m. Eastern time is a tough deadline to make when you got youngsters. So uh, it was awesome to finally talk to you. Like, yeah, uh, I, I guess face to face, I mean, Internet to Internet, whatever you want to call it. But um, it was a real pleasure to get you on the show. Tell um, anyone who's checking this out where they can find you and maybe some more of your content later this week. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I um, most of my stuff is is over on Action Network. Do the buys and fades between rounds. If you uh, you know end up without a uh, number that you wanted, um, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Is is where we can buy live. I, I usually save a few bullets and and pick up somebody uh, between rounds on Thursday or Friday and see if uh, they can make a run for us. So um, Action Network Golf Bet, that's where, uh, you can find most of my content. So again, appreciate you having me on Joe. Uh, love your stuff and, and looking forward to hopefully we, uh, we picked a winner this week. Absolutely, man. Good luck. I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Thank you. See ya. All right, Murph. It was great to have him on the show. Uh, really appreciate him making it work for me here. I know this time spot is tough for a lot of people. Anyone who's checking this out live, uh, thank you very much. I am going to get back into sort of uh, my final thoughts segment. So this, if if you're new to the show, is kind of where I go into. Um, it's not always golf related, right? This week, I'm going to kind of tie it in, but it's just something that that I think is helpful for some people to hear. Um, some more of kind of like the mental side and approach to to more than just golf and some stuff about life. It was awesome last week to see a fellow uh, Kent State University Golden Flash uh, and actually was at school there when I was at school there and Mackenzie Hughes get another win on the PGA Tour, especially like after the guy was pretty candid about um, his disappointment in not being a part of that President's Cup team. He said he understood why he wasn't, but still, you know, a couple of fellow not only Canadians, but a couple of fellow college teammates like are part of that. So so. You know, you obviously had Corey Connors and Taylor Pendrith. They all went to Kent. So it, it, it was interesting to see how he was able to rebound that and kind of use that for some motivation this week. What really hit home for me was some of his comments post round uh, regarding self-doubt and self-belief. I think it's OK and we need to 
to normalize um, the experience of having some self-doubt in terms in, in sport and in life. Um, and you may have those thoughts on and wonder if if what your goal is is actually achievable. And it was something that I thought was very vulnerable of him to say. It's part of why I like to sort of do um, this segment is I believe in in speaking it, and whether that's to someone else, whether that's to the internet, whether that's to Twitter Live, um, however you do it. But I believe in the power of sort of manifesting goals and and realizations. Um, if you don't ask for it, you're probably not going to receive it. Um, I try to write down my own goals. I've talked about this many times. I try to speak aloud some of my ambitions. And sometimes, uh, as part of these segments, it comes true. Sometimes it doesn't. But it helps me hold myself accountable, number one. And number two, it reaffirms that I'm on the right path and and kind of reaffirms um, stuff in my mind that is like, you can do this. You may have noticed, um, oftentimes last week, he was kind of muttering to himself over the ball. And he he talked about that post round. He said, quote, I just kept reminding myself that I'm really good. Um, Sometimes an outcome that you've been working at for 18 holes on a Sunday for 72 holes in a tournament for six months practicing for 12 months um, working with a coach day in and day out can come down to one shot like it can literally miss a playoff by one shot or you can win the event by one shot in a playoff and encouraging yourself and getting yourself with a proper attitude can play an important role in that. Um, he said, commit to an attitude if you don't. It doesn't guarantee the results necessarily, but it certainly helps. I'm a big believer in that. Help out yourself today. Take a moment to to believe in yourself and reaffirm that what you're doing, you're probably doing because you're really good at it. Um, Believe you are on the right path. Believe you have put in the work. Believe you have put in the effort to get yourself to where you're at and something good is likely to follow. Uh, Give yourself the benefit of the doubt in certain situations and ultimately good things, I believe, will happen to you as well. I want to thank Mackenzie Hughes, my fellow Flash, for reminding me of that. Uh, And hopefully he's on a path to getting back to that team when they go back to Canada here in a couple of years. Uh, Anyone who's checked out the show, I appreciate the hell out of you. As always, I'm out of here. Good luck this week at the Shriners. Um, Talk to you guys soon. Peace.